Hello and welcome. My name is Tecla Francesco, and I'm trying to spread the word about how practicing the law of attraction can significantly improve your physical and mental health. Join me and like-minded friends to learn more about gratitude and how to manifest health and wellness beyond your wildest dreams. I've been practicing these principles for years with incredible results from resolving chronic pain to dissipating daily anxiety and reversing a digestive diagnosis. My goal is for you to leave our weekly episodes with easy and actionable steps to implement effortlessly into your day-to-day life so you can reach your own personal health and wellness goals. Hello, and welcome back to episode 20 of Heal Yourself with the Law of Attraction. I'm your host, Tekla, and I like to start every episode with gratitude and talk about something I'm thankful for in my life. This week, I am truly thankful for the love and support I've received from my family and friends after moving back home. In the past two weeks, every single one of my friends here in Sydney has reached out to me more than once to offer support and kindness during this time of transition for me. I think today's society really undervalues the love we have for friends and family and prioritizes romantic love above all else. The love I've received from all of my friends here has been so, so appreciated, and I'm so grateful for it. I feel welcomed and like I already have a support system around me, even though I haven't lived here in over a decade. I haven't had the chance to connect with anyone in person yet because I landed and then immediately tested positive for COVID, but I know I will soon, and I'm so excited to have these friends as part of my daily life now. I know some of them are listening right now, so thank you, thank you, thank you so much. So on to today's episode, which is the third in our revamped power series. We're going to be talking about the power of the mind-body connection. And I want to start with some research, which we haven't done in a while, so here we go. There was a study done in 2011 called Mind Over Milkshakes. And in the study, 46 participants consumed a 380-calorie milkshake, but they were under the pretense that that milkshake was either a 620-calorie shake, which was labeled an indulgent shake, or a 140-calorie shake, which was labeled a sensible shake. Blood samples were taken from these participants before and after consuming the shake, and the hunger hormone Ghrelin was measured to assess physiological satiation. And that just means their feelings of fullness were explored and measured on a scientific level. The researchers then found that the people who believed they were consuming the indulgent shake, their levels of ghrelin dropped more quickly, indicating they felt fuller. And on the other hand, when they believed they were having the sensible shake, which they were told was 140 calories, their levels of ghrelin stayed more stable. And the conclusion of this study really just suggests that the fullness of the participants was consistent with what they believed they were consuming, rather than the actual nutritional value of the shake. Remember, both shakes in this experiment were 380 calories. Isn't that just absolutely crazy? Our perceptions about what we are eating have a physiological impact on our bodies and change how we respond to that food. This connection between our mind and our body can help us understand how our perceptions of health can influence our reality. If we have positive beliefs about the healthiness of certain foods or behaviors, 
we may experience a more positive physiological response, such as feeling fuller or having more energy. Similarly, if we have a negative belief about certain foods or behaviors, we might experience a more negative physiological response, such as feeling less satisfied with a meal or having less energy. I've been wanting to talk about this study for a while now because these findings highlight the importance of understanding and fostering the relationship between our minds and our bodies and exploring how our perceptions of health impact our reality. I also want to touch on the placebo effect today because it is so relevant to today's topic. As many of you know, the placebo effect is a phenomenon where a person experiences a benefit from a treatment that has no real medical value. It's widely known that this benefit occurs because the person believes that the treatment will be helpful. For example, if someone is given a sugar pill that they believe is a pain reliever, they can report feeling less pain even though the sugar has no real pain relieving properties. The person's belief that the treatment will help them can cause their brain to release a natural pain relieving chemical leading to that reduction in pain. As I said, I'm sure many of you are familiar with the placebo effect. What you might not know is that the strength and effectiveness of the placebo can be altered based on a variety of factors. For example, the same placebo can treat pain half as well as aspirin and also half as well as morphine. Are you getting that? Morphine, are you kidding me? Morphine is an opioid, friends, and definitely not in the same pain management class as aspirin, which you can purchase over the counter. Then we also know that saying a placebo will reduce pain reduces it, but saying it will increase pain increases it. And we know that the effect of the placebo is bigger when the pill itself is bigger, or if you have two pills instead of one, or if the pill is a capsule instead of a solid. Not only that, but placebos don't have to be in the form of pills. They can also be in the forms of cream, drinks, injections, and we know that syringes are more effective than anything. What's also interesting is that the presentation of the pill, like the branding, price, and packaging, all of that can impact the effectiveness of the placebo. Not only presentation, but also your environment. For example, in Germany, using a placebo to treat ulcers works better than anywhere else in Europe. And reminder, we're talking about here a treatment that has no therapeutic benefit at all, like a sugar pill. The effect is entirely a result of the belief we have about it. And the information I just shared with you is from a YouTube video called The Strange Powers of the Placebo Effect. And of course, it's linked in the show notes if you'd like to go and have a watch. This effect is just so complex, and it's not fully understood yet by scientists. Isn't that wild? We have theories, of course, but we don't know definitively why this happens. The mind-body connection is so real, and I feel like we haven't even scratched the surface yet. So how does this all relate to the law of attraction? The placebo effect is a studied and documented example of how a person's thoughts and beliefs and expectations can have a powerful effect on their mind and body. When a person believes that a treatment will have a certain effect, their body responds as if the treatment were actually active, even though there is no treatment. This is another proof point that a person's thoughts and beliefs can influence their reality and create a physical and physiological response in their physical being, in their body. 
It suggests a person's thoughts and beliefs can act as kind of an attractor, drawing in specific experiences and outcomes to match those expectations. When I was reflecting on this, I have to admit I got kind of angry. Actually, I got livid. Why don't we learn about the mind-body connection in school? Why don't we learn about the power of positivity? Why don't we learn about how your thoughts can shape your reality? Why don't we learn about how your perceptions of health can directly impact your mental and physical health? Why are we not encouraged to challenge perceptions and opinions of our health and advocate for ourselves? I just don't get it. I don't understand why this isn't mainstream knowledge or at the least more easily accessible for the people that want to explore it. Okay, rant over. Now I want to take a moment to talk about the flip side of what we just learned. Even though the examples we just talked about illustrate some of the benefits of thinking with a positive mindset, like optimizing your body's response to food and managing pain, I want you to think about what is happening when your perceptions are more negative in nature. When your mind or body alerts you to something and you ignore it. When you feel overwhelmed and you continue to push through and expect 100% performance from yourself. When you experience a trauma and you don't take the time to process it. When you work 80 hours a week and don't set boundaries or prioritize your health. I've been waiting to talk about this for a long time because I have firsthand experience when it comes to neglecting the mind-body connection. I spent over a decade rowing at an elite level here in Australia during high school and then was recruited to a Division I rowing program in the U.S. on a full scholarship. It's safe to say that I lived and breathed rowing from ages 11 until 21. There were times in high school I remember where I was rowing in training, not even in a race, and I looked in at my hands and they would be bleeding. In high school, you start off rowing with two oars and your hands overlap when you finish your stroke. Sometimes your nails scratch the top of your knuckles on the lower hand and they can bleed. But for me, my knuckles would often be scratched raw. It was normal for me to have to soak my training gear overnight to get all the blood out. And the scariest part of that for me, and I remember this so clearly, was that I didn't know it was happening until the end of the session. I was so focused on what I was doing, keeping time, keeping pace, breathing, and the rest of it that I actually had no idea that my hands were getting ripped to shreds. How was that possible that I didn't feel or register that pain while it was happening? But once I stopped and looked down and saw the blood at the end of the session, I could feel the pain flood in. In my more senior years of high school and in college, I trained well over 30 hours a week and had a one-track mind, really. All I cared about was winning and being a top performer. I was known amongst my teammates for vomiting during practice and after racing. There was one workout we did where I remember vomiting every single time. It was a 10, 500-meter sprint workout with a 45-second break in between. We would complete each sprint in around 1 minute and 40 seconds. It was on the rowing machine during winter training, and we trained indoors most of the winter due to the frigid conditions on the East Coast during the holiday period and well into January. Anyway, that workout absolutely destroyed me every time. I vomited several times trying to complete it. 
I would have to go and sit by myself and row with a trash can next to me away from the rest of the team. When you vomit during a workout once, let alone several times in the same session, it's really your body telling you you're pushing yourself too hard and you need to stop. I wasn't able to identify any other cue from my body or mind because again, I had that one track mindset. Don't you think I was in pain before the puking started? There's no doubt. I just couldn't feel it. I became so numb to those cues for my mind and body, and they just didn't register with me at all. I was able to turn off that pain for so long, and that's fucking scary. And I'm not the exception here. A lot of athletes are able to do the same thing and get through and push themselves beyond their limits. The point of me telling you this is because I want to draw your attention to what happens when you don't foster this connection and relationship between your mind and body. Leaning into the mind-body connection has clear benefits for your physical and mental health, as we just heard, but when it's neglected, you end up in real trouble. When you ignore signals from these two systems and you repress cues, it's truly a form of self-harm. It's just more widely accepted and normalized in today's society. People are taught and expected to push the limits mentally and physically every single day. We learn that those who can do that and can exceed expectations are winners and more desirable. The mind-body connection operates on the principle that the two are interconnected and inextricably linked. Ignoring one causes harm to both. For me, turning off that reactivity to pain and suppressing those signals definitely impacted both my physical and mental health in a destructive way. I ended up really suffering emotionally, and then I developed serious injuries late in my career. I had to sign an AMA to compete in my lost college race. An AMA is basically a legal document where you declare you're making a decision against medical advice and it prevents the school from becoming liable if I injured myself further by continuing to race. I haven't ever told anyone that. My parents were coming out to see me race in Philadelphia from Australia, and I was literally just trying to hold it together for a few more days. I was probably at my lowest point in my life ever the year I graduated. I was at my lowest weight ever. I was actually really underweight at the time. I was severely injured and not resting and not healing. I would wake up and my legs would be numb almost every single day. I had isolated myself from all but a few friends. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life after I graduated and I rushed into a decision to stay in the U.S. on a whim. I committed to a job I wasn't super interested in because I needed an income. I had a limited support system as my family were just all at home. There was so much happening, and I was just in survival mode, really. Ignoring and abusing that mind-body connection for so long, not even ignoring it, actually, actively fighting it, led to serious issues. It's tough for me to say this, but at that time, I saw my body as a weakness and didn't understand why it couldn't keep up with the resiliency of my mind. Well, what I thought was resiliency really, which was actually the ability to shut down parts of my brain that I didn't want to engage with. That state was so damaging. 
I didn't realize it then, but the two systems were so disconnected that I'm still recovering and reestablishing that relationship today. The mind-body connection is something that needs to be nurtured and strengthened over time. And I have full confidence when I say this. In my opinion, we know about 1% of what the mind is actually capable of. I'm telling you, this is such an important part of your health and you need to do some inner work and exploration to understand and nurture this connection for yourself. And there are so many ways to do that. Movement for joy is a great way to start exploring this. The concept of movement for joy focuses on the importance of finding physical activity that brings happiness rather than concentrating solely on the health benefits. This can involve experimenting with different types of activities such as dancing, yoga, or hiking until you find something that resonates with you. By staying in touch with how you're feeling during physical activity, you're maintaining awareness and deepening that connection and learning how to listen to your body. Contrary to popular belief, you don't have to push yourself to the limit every time you work out to see results. A walk has just as many benefits for you as a run. Are those benefits different? Sure. But they're still both important and still have a role in health and wellness. Another approach is practicing mindfulness. Mindfulness techniques like meditation, deep breathing, and yoga can all help you become more present and aware of your thoughts and sensations. This one is super important for someone who has suppressed mental and physical cues over time and needs to get back in touch with themselves, like me. This is also not about perfection. Meditation is very much a skill that needs to be practiced, and you're going to do it once and you're not going to be an expert. Have patience and grace with yourself, and remember, if you meditate once a week, just once, that amounts to 52 practices over a year. A 1% change makes a difference. Additionally, practicing self-care is crucial. Self-care activities could be going for a massage, getting acupuncture, taking a bath, watching your hair. Whatever it is that makes you feel good and boosts your vibration, you need to start prioritizing a few of those things every week. You need to nurture those moments and take the opportunity to ground yourself. When you don't prioritize self-care, you're ignoring cues from your mind and body and neglecting that connection. This is so important, friends. Arguably the most important. And finally, getting enough sleep. There are so many studies showing that 7 to 9 hours of sleep is essential to maintain physical and mental health as an adult. Lack of sleep seriously disrupts the mind-body connection. If you don't allow for adequate rest, you cannot expect your mind or body to work properly, let alone efficiently. It's like filling up a car with half a tank of gas and expecting it to drive halfway across the country. It's just not going to happen, friends. So what do I want you to work on this week? Really seriously take some time and get back in touch with yourself. Are there cues from your mind and your body that you've been ignoring? How can you explore those? How can you use the approaches we just talked about to strengthen that connection? It is so critical for your mind and body to work in harmony. When there is a disconnect, you're in a state of misalignment. You aren't in full health, mental or physical. 
For abundant health and wellness, the goal is to be in alignment. You want your entire being to be vibrating at a high level, and it's much harder to do that when you aren't acknowledging or supporting the relationship between your mind and your body. Okay, friends, next week will be our last episode of our revamped power series. And teasers for that, that upcoming episode will be posted to Instagram at Heal Yourself with L-O-A. That's Heal Yourself with L-O-A. L-O-A is in Law of Attraction. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please, please, please rate, review, and subscribe. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you can scroll down to the bottom of the podcast show page, past all of the posted episodes, and you'll see that option at the bottom. On Spotify, the rating is actually at the top of the podcast show page under the description. There's no review option there, but a five-star rating goes a long way. That's all for today. Thank you for listening. Peace, love, and mung beans. Bye.